What a great song. What a great reminder that we are never alone, that he is always there right with us. If you have your Bibles there, take them and turn to the book of Exodus. That's where we're going to look at today. And when I was preparing for this message, one of the things that came to my mind is, as we're going to look at how God prepares each one of us for specific purposes. And I remember as a child helping my dad build things. I'm sure many of you did the exact same thing. And being given assignments at different times to go get something. One of the tools I remember being assigned to get was to go get a screwdriver. I don't know why. Um, I, maybe I'm a little bit slower. Maybe some of you agree with that statement. But for whatever reason, it, it took me a little bit of time to remember the difference between a Phillips and a flathead screwdriver. You guys know what I'm talking about. You have the Phillips screwdriver, the flathead. I remember my dad giving me the assignment to go get the Phillips screwdriver. And to me, to go in there at his workbench and to look for that. And you know what I started doing? I, I don't, again, I don't know why I was so slow to pick up on this. Is I would take the one I thought it was. And then the other one I would sort of put in my pocket just in case I was wrong on that. To have the backup already there. Because the difference between these, the, both these are screwdrivers. Both of these are going to fulfill a purpose of putting a screw into whatever it is that you are working on, but they're a little bit different. They're for a specific screw. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at how God prepares each one of us for a specific assignment. Now, those of us that are saved, each one of us should have the exact same purpose in life, to live our lives to glorify God and to live our lives to point people to him. But there's different ways that God uses us. And we're going to get into the book of Exodus. Now, where does Exodus fit in our timeline of the Bible? Of course, the second book of the Bible. So when we look at this book, we have to go back to the book of Genesis. What is the book of Genesis all about? It's the book of beginnings. What is it the beginning of? Everything. Everything began in the book of Genesis. We see the beginning of the world, creation, man, families, the different nations begin there. We see God calling out the Hebrew nation. So when we get to the book of Exodus, Exodus, the easiest way for me to remember this is about an exit. They're going to be exiting somewhere. Where are they going to be exiting? They are going to be exiting. Exodus uh, chapter 1, verse 1 says, Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. So the children of Israel, when we pick up in the book of Exodus, are in Egypt. Why are they in Egypt? We go back to the book of Genesis to see what has transpired to lead these people into Egypt. And that's where we remember, see, a young man by the name of Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery, taken to Egypt, made a slave, follows God, works hard, and the place that he's a slave, Potiphar's house, he becomes really in charge of it. Then lies are told about him. He ends up thrown in prison. Again, continues to follow God. But again, is left there in prison. Until finally, Pharaoh has a dream and asks, and there's a guy that Joseph had already told the meaning of his dream to, and he remembers about Joseph, brings him out, and that is when he tells Pharaoh, there's going to be a great famine. We need to prepare. Somebody needs to help here. Pharaoh says, I'm going to choose you. So Joseph becomes really second in command of Egypt at that time. 
and he saves the Egyptian people. When you read those last parts of the book of Genesis, you're going to see that he brought great wealth to Pharaoh, to the Egyptians. But when we come to the book of Exodus, all of that is forgotten. In fact, Exodus 1.8 says this, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. So here's what we see. We see this king arises that is like, man, what are all these people doing here? We've got to handle this problem. Because if a war comes and there's a nation fighting against us, these Israelites here may see this as their opportunity to go in and, hey, let's join forces with them. We can fight against them. And maybe if we overthrow the Egyptians, we'll be free. So this Pharaoh is concerned. So he gives them a lot more work to do. Then we see in Exodus 1, go to verse number 16, and he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. So now he has come and given the order to the Hebrew midwives, the ones who would deliver the babies, to say any time that a woman is giving birth, if it is a boy, he needs to be killed. If it's a daughter, let them live. Can you imagine that? I mean, don't just gloss over that fact. Think about these children of Israel that are in Egypt as slaves. And now, they, back then, of course, they are not having the ultrasounds to determine if the baby is a boy or a girl. They would find out when the child was born. And how exciting it is when a child is about to be born. But can you imagine the fear if it's a boy? They would... They wanted these babies to be killed. The midwives, they don't obey. They, they allow these babies to live. But Pharaoh gives another order in Exodus 1, verse 22. And says, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Every male Jewish baby boy is supposed to be thrown into the Nile River. How terrible. How awful. You know, our first point that we're going to look at today is God prepares us to serve Him. And Exodus chapter number 1 is a very somber, a very just, uh, there's not a lot of good that you see in that chapter. You do see these midwives who take a stand and don't throw the, or don't kill the babies. But you see a man, a Pharaoh, who is trying to get rid, to stop this Jewish nation. But we come to Exodus chapter number 2, and we're introduced to a family. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. So here's what happens. There is a family that is, they get married. They have already had children, but they're going to have another child. We find in Exodus 6, verse number 20, the names of these parents, the names Amram and Jochebed. They already have two children. They have a son by the name of Aaron, and they have a, a, a daughter by the name of, of Miriam. And so here we see this 
child going to be born? And in verse number three, they find, verse two, it, it's a boy. Now again, how exciting that is, but imagine the fear. They know what the rule is. So here we're going to see Jochebed risk her life to try to save her child and to try to hide this baby. Verse number three, and when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. So here's what happened. She hides this baby. But again, those of us that have had babies around the house understand this is a difficult thing to do. And we don't know if maybe somebody had found out or maybe just it was she no longer felt like she could hide him. But she is going to take this baby boy to the one place that she wouldn't want to take him. Remember, where they want these children to be taken to is the Nile River. That's where she's going to take him. But instead of taking him there to throw him into the river, she has built... An ark is what it's called here, a basket. She has made sure that it's not going to leak, that it's not going to sink. And she's going to come and put this baby boy into the basket. Now, please, when we read the Bible, let us remember these are real people. Could you imagine taking your son, maybe here about three months old, taking him to the river, putting him in that basket, and sort of sending it away. I mean, I imagine at this point, it, they, she has to think that this will be the last time she will ever see her son. At best, somebody else will find him and raise him. At worst, and what was the more likely outcome? somebody would discover that this is a Hebrew child and obey what their ruler has said and have this baby killed. And that's what happens. She sends off this, this child, this baby. Verse number four, and his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. The family wants to know what happens. But I imagine, Jacob, I, I, I can't watch. Send him off. I, I can't watch, but, but Miriam, would you stay here? Follow at a distance. But just see what happens to him. I, I just want to know. So that's what they do. This baby goes off into the, into the water. And verse number five, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. So here's what's happening now. Again, Pharaoh's daughter has gone down to the water where she is, is bathing. She has her, her servants there to help her. And they see something over there. More than likely, they hear something over there. And so she sends some of her servants over. Go see what's going on. And when they go over there, they see that it is a baby. A baby that is crying. We don't know how long Moses has been in this basket. We, we don't know. But the rivers carried him, by the way, to the one spot. If you're Miriam watching this, this is the one spot you don't want to be. It's got to be close to where Pharaoh was at. 
Man, if there's one family that you don't want to find this child, it is Pharaoh's. You're hoping other people would find him and have compassion, but, but this is Pharaoh's family. She knows what the command is. And so here, when the servants come over and they look at this baby, and Pharaoh's daughter comes over and looks at this child, all they were supposed to do was take that basket and turn it over. The baby would go into the water, the baby would be gone. That is what her dad has ordered to have happen. That's all that's supposed to be done. But notice what it says in verse number 6, and she had compassion on him. But she know and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. She knows who it is. She knows what her responsibility is, but she has compassion. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse this child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Can you imagine the emotions of this day? Here is Jochebed who has just given her son to what she is hoping somebody will find him. And somebody will have compassion. But in the back of her mind, she's got to know that's a long shot. Imagine Miriam as she watches this basket get closer and closer to where she does not want this basket to go. And then, can you imagine, Miriam, the fear she would have that moment that the basket is open? As she watches to see what will Pharaoh's daughter do. But now she's running back to her mom saying, Mom, Mom, come quick. Listen, Pharaoh's daughter has found Moses. But she wants you to take and take care of Moses. So here comes Jochebed up to see Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter says, why don't you take this baby home and take care of this baby? So that day, that day, in the morning, or whatever time it was, when she thinks she is giving her son away and will never see him again, in a matter of hours, he's back in the house with her. How incredible is God to work all of this out? He is going to verse number 10, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. Moses is going to grow up in Pharaoh's house. He is going to have the very best of instructions. He is going to have learned from his actual mother about God, about who he is, and we see he grows up in the house where nobody would have expected a Hebrew child to grow up. But in verse number 11, we see Moses make a choice. Verse 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out into his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian, smited in Hebrew, one of his brethren. Moses knows who he is. He knows his background. He sees this Egyptian man beating somebody. And Moses wants to defend him. So what Moses is going to do, verses 12 through 13, he's going to take this Egyptian's life. He's going to try to hide his, what he had done. But it's discovered. Moses now has to flee for his life and understand something. Moses is trying to do a good thing, but it's never, God never wants us to do wrong to accomplish something that we feel is right. 
And that is what Moses does here. Moses takes a stand, but he's going to have to leave, and he's going to leave Egypt for fear of his life and go. And we're going to see in verses 16 and 17, he's going to, to see some ladies that are trying to get some water, and they're being uh, sort, of, sort of bullied, I guess, there. And, and Moses takes a stand for them, and they are able to get the water. He goes back and meets the family and ends up getting married to to one of those women that was there at the, the watering hole. And for 40 years, 40 years, Moses is at the very top, raised in Pharaoh's household. And for the next 40 years, he is going to be in the desert, wandering around as a shepherd. 80 years old. And you see the things that has gone through in his life. And how do we apply this to our life? We apply this by trusting God through the circumstances of your life, knowing that he can use anything to prepare us to serve him. Moses didn't understand what was going on in his life, but this entire time God is using it to prepare Moses for the purpose that God had for his life. See, Moses, God had a purpose for him. Moses didn't understand his purpose, but God knew what it was going to be. And so every circumstance of his life was preparing him for what God wanted him to do. Listen, in your life, God has a purpose for you. And oftentimes there are circumstances that you will go through in your life that you don't understand, but God is preparing you. He's preparing us to serve him. Sometimes those circumstances are different skills and ability that God gives each one of us. Sometimes they're difficult circumstances. Whatever it is, God is preparing us to serve him, just like what he is doing for Moses. So in Exodus chapter number three, we are going to see that Moses is going to take care of his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years. But now God is ready for him to do something else. Verse number one in Exodus three, verse one. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. So Moses is a shepherd. He's out there watching his sheep. And we're going to see that at this point, God is going to reveal that he has a place of service for Moses, just like God has a place of service for each one of us. And so Moses with the sheep is watching. Again, this cannot be the most exciting of jobs. I don't know about you, when I'm working a job, I I, I like it to be busy, that way time seems to go by quicker. I remember sometimes where there's not a lot going on, it just seems like time is going so slow. As a shepherd, I'm sure there's many days where time just seems to crawl. And in the distance, Moses sees something. He sees some smoke. He's watching it, of course, because with sheep, if he's got to get them out of there in a hurry, he's got to... But he's starting to notice there's this bush on fire. But the fire is not moving. This bush is not burning up. And so Moses is like, well, I I don't have a lot else to do. Let's go over and check out and see what's going on. And as he comes over there, verse number 
2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Moses is shocked. He hears this voice and he cries out, here am I. I'm sure he's looking around the whole time to see, is there somebody around here? Verse 5, and he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. God shows himself to Moses. And Moses is afraid. Whenever we see in the Bible people understanding who God is or in the New Testament when they see Jesus, do you know the common response we are going to see is not one of pride. If not, is not one of, well, of course God would come to me. We see it in Isaiah chapter number 6 when Isaiah gets a picture of heaven and the angels praising God there. We see Peter doing the same thing in the New Testament. They fall on their face and they're saying, I, depart from me, for I am a sinner. Moses here falls on his face and is, is fearful. God is now going to give him his assignment. Verse 7, and he, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse number 7 is a great verse. You understand the children of Israel have been in bondage for almost 400 years. And you know what God is saying? I know. I see them. I know what's going on. No matter what we go through in life, God knows what is going on. Verse number 8, And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land uh, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. God says, I've seen it. I know what they're going through, and now is the time that I am going to deliver them. And Moses, you're going to have a part in this. Verse number 10, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So God says, Moses, I'm bringing the people out. You're going to help me. And look at Moses' response. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? I don't think there's anything wrong with this response in verse number 11. Because I think Moses has seen who God is and says, who am I? God, how, how, why would you use me? It's amazing the response of Moses in chapter 2 to chapter 3. Chapter 2, Moses sees something and he thinks, well, I can step in and I can fix this. Chapter 3, Moses is like, God, how, how can I help? How can you use me? You see, God won't use us until we're humble. And I believe over time, Moses, after 40 years of being in the wilderness, has realized, I can't do this. Only God can do this. And look at what God says in verse number 12. And he said, certainly... I will be with thee. Wow. You understand, when God calls you to do something, He will be with you. Now, there are some things as a Christian that all of us are called to do. All of us are called to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is not just for a select few. 
It is not just for a select few to read and to study God's word. That is for each and every one of us. All of us are called to share our faith with others. That is not just for a select few. That's for every single one of us. But God has gifted each one of us differently. And the question is, how are you using your gifts and your abilities that God has given you for him? You see, how do I apply this in my life today? I need to find the place of service that God has for us, knowing he has prepared us for it. How are you serving God today? I believe there's different ways that we serve God. I believe, of course, in our community. Each one of us should look for ways in our community to serve other people in your neighborhood. I believe as a church family, each one of us should be involved in serving God here at the church. You say, well, what can I do? There's so much. How has God gifted you? And we look at the different ways that we can serve God as a church family. We can be involved in outreach. So many of you taking the yard signs, putting those in, taking the invitations and passing them out to your friends, to your neighbors for Easter Sunday. That's one way. And by the way, that's one way that each one of us needs to be involved with. That's not for a select few. Next week, we're going to introduce a new outreach program. I encourage each one of you to get involved with that. But there are different individual ways that we can do that. Maybe God has gifted you in just working, building things. Maybe there's assignments here at the church that you can be a part of. Maybe it's working with the children. I'm so thankful for, for each week those that help out with the kids. Maybe, ladies, it's being involved in the nursery. Maybe it's just being one of the greeters at the door. What an important ministry that is. Helping out in the sound booth with with doing the coffee in the mornings. With do, there are so many places that we, need, we, we can help and use our gifts and our abilities to serve God. The question is, are we doing that? Because I believe everything in life God uses to prepare us to serve Him. I believe that God has placed each one of us specifically in the community that we are in to serve Him by serving other people in that neighborhood your neighbors. I believe God has brought each one of us here together as a church to serve him in this church. And God has been preparing us for that. You have different life experiences than I have had. You are able to connect with people, with some people that I will not be able to connect with. You are able to do things that, that I will not be able to do in the same way back and forth. The question is, what is it that God has prepared us to do to serve Him? You say, I don't know. Pray about it. Ask Him. Say, God, what can I do to use my gifts and abilities that you've given me to serve you? I promise you, He'll show you. And then, once you know, the question is, will you do it? You know, oftentimes when God gives us those gifts and abilities, he gives us responsibilities that are outside of our comfort zone. That's what Moses is going to have. Moses is going to be well outside of his comfort zone. If there is one place in the world Moses does not want to go back to, it is Egypt. And that's exactly where God is going to send him. 
Oftentimes, it's out of our comfort zone that we're going to serve God, but it's still where we need to be. God has created each one of us differently, given each one of us different. Moses had a very unique experience in his life. But all throughout his life, God was preparing him for what he was going to do. Because you see, after this, for the next 40 years, he's going to lead the children of Israel. He's going to come back to this mountain where he's going to receive the law. God was preparing him for this time. You see, each one of us as Christians, we have responsibilities that God has created us to do. Just like both of these screwdrivers, their, their purpose is the exact same. All Christians, our purpose is the exact same. But some of us, God uses in a little different ways. All of us, he does. And the question is, what do my gifts and abilities, how do they allow me to serve? Again, you say, I don't know. Pray about it. And then, how are you using those gifts and abilities to serve? Now that you've recognized what they are, how are you serving? You see, our purpose in life is to serve him, to glorify God. Are you, am I, fulfilling that purpose in my life by using my gifts and abilities to glorify God. Moses is going to do that. It's not always going to be easy for Moses. It's going to be many, many difficult times for him, but he's going to continue to use what God has done in his life to prepare him to serve God for the next 40 years. How will we use the circumstances that are preparing us right now in our lives to serve God for the rest of our lives? Dear God, I thank for today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this example of Moses and how you prepared him to then use him to further your work. God, I pray that you'd show each one of us what it is and the way it is that you want us to serve you. And then I pray you'd help each one of us to fulfill that purpose that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of the service tonight. I encourage you to be back Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. For our, our midweek service, we'll have prayer time in here. We will also have the, uh, sort of the services for the kids and the teenagers in the back. Thanks again for being a part of it. Have a great rest of your evening.